0: Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Wednesday, January 15th, 2014. That's right. Uh, This will be the second one of the evening. We're giving you great content back-to-back on interviews. I have another person with me that has been very successful using Kickstarter, so maybe we can get a little bit of that to rub off on the rest of us, who is joining me on Skype today.
1: This is Jason Glover from Grey Gnome Games. Yes.
0: Jason, you're starting the year off uh, on a pretty high note for yourself too. I mean, you've got a Kickstarter out there now. You've got several successful ones behind you. Recently won the Gamecrafter uh, micro contest. <laughs> Congratulations yeah, absolutely. again, absolutely. sir. Absolutely,
1: thanks. That was uh that was actually sort of a surprise. I was I was kind of getting this feeling that of of the games I had in it of Dungeons Deep might have had the uh the best opportunity to win it. But uh, I was happy to see that a, a lighter game that has a little bit more of a family feel to it was able to secure the victory. So it's pretty exciting stuff.
0: I've said it before and I will, I will continue to say it, but gray gnome games is definitely, and Jason of course, as the person behind it is definitely somebody I keep an eye on. Have yet to get a bad game out of you, sir.
1: <laughs> well, I, I try, I try to avoid that. It's my secret.
0: <laughs> you uh, said you were trying to play catch up on some of, uh, the interview stuff. So uh, just to make sure that none of that was wasted, I have a quiz here for you. Oh, Uh, and the answers have to, I want uh, the specific title and the exact minute marker when you give your answer. please.
1: Yeah. I I have to go now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's go ahead and get into, let's get to know Jason a little bit more now. um, Yeah. I'm, I'm messing around with Jason off and on here at the front. Jason and I have known each other for quite a while and uh great guy and, and somebody i consider a friend so absolutely you'll have to excuse me <laughs> as we go along here if if some of my uh, smart ass remarks get in the way
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: jason what do you do as a profession sir be- besides a game designer and publisher
1: well first and foremost i am a plumber by trade i started that about uh, about eight years ago i got into uh, plumbing and uh the housing market sort of crashed, and uh, that's sort of actually what ushered in the whole uh Gnome Games thing. I started having some extra free time. I wasn't working steady hours, so all that free time, I had to occupy myself doing something. And I uh sort of started designing games, so and I kind of went back to a passion that I used to have as a kid. So uh I guess it was sort of a, a blessing in disguise.
0: And what makes you a geek, sir?
1: Well... I still buy Legos. I mean, <laughs> nice. there's a numerous things that that would qualify me for geek status, I, I suppose. But mainly, uh, I guess I, I still I, you know, I have a passion for you know old vintage video game consoles, and I have, uh, like I said, a pretty a pretty nice uh, collection of Legos that I don't let my kids touch. And uh, you <laughs> well, know, stuff you're like that.
0: fossil Father of the Year. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Look at this cool thing. Don't touch it.
0: (laughs) All right. And uh, do you have any geek level passions for something that somebody might not consider geek related? That's a tough question,
1: because pretty much everything that I would I would consider uh, my passions, I would consider fairly mainstream as far as is. As geeks go, and like I said, I I love uh, old vintage games. I I have a passion for old RPGs from the late 70s. I was born in the late 70s, so as a kid, I grew up playing some of the more obscure RPG games. So I like to collect some old stuff like that, but nothing that's really, really out there, I guess.
0: Okay. So, you, you know, you kind of alluded to the catalyst kind of for you to move into design slash publishing but what made you decide, or can you point to something that made you decide to actually try your hand at designing games, even starting off maybe hobby level, and before you even decided, "Hey, I- I'm going to make a, a, you know, a, a go at this as a career"?
1: Well, I actually I can go back further than that, and sort of what what was probably the the biggest catalyst. I always point back to this was when um, I was in fourth grade. I had a fourth grade teacher. She was a great great lady Mrs Sullivan and she had this thing where uh, I think it was just her way of getting us busy at the end of the, the end of the day but on on Fridays she'd had this jar and she had these fake pickles that were just like laminated pictures of pickles on them and uh at the end of the day on Fridays we we'd all go up there we'd pick one and it was called pick a pickle and there would be some sort of something for us to do, you know, make a, you know, a craft or something, and we'd have to go do that. It was just a way to keep us busy. But uh, one day, I drew one of these pickles and it said, "Design a game, board game, and write instructions for it, and then play with a few of your classmates." And that was sort of the catalyst for me, I think, because I, I, I obviously I got. I got drawn into it because at that point I had already sort of been into some Dungeons and Dragons manuals and stuff. So this sort of just was like, oh, okay, a board game. I'll do this. So they went went from there and I just started making them. And every week I just didn't even bother picking a pickle. I just kept making games. So and the teacher didn't care, like I said. So I sort of uh, I I sort of thank Mrs. Sullivan back in fourth grade (laughs) for sort of starting the whole thing. And I took a big break from it for quite a while, but it's always been sort of there. So.
0: So you immediately picked that card and then you went on the game crafter and asked everybody how to make your game for you for your project, right?
1: Yes. I was one of those people. <laughs> I was one of those people. I have, I have, I have 24 hours to get this project done for college. And...
0: <laughs> so that's great. Okay. So it, it's something that you've been doing all along and uh, and enjoyed at what point then, I mean, was it strictly the, the fact that you had the extra time? At what point did you go, okay, I, I think I could make at least uh, 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 subsidize my living with part of this.
1: Well, I think I was looking uh, at—I sort of found the Game Crafter sort of when it first kind of started, and I kind of was a lurker and uh, I didn't really get too involved, and then I just kind of kept an eye on it. Then Kickstarter came along, and I started kind of looking at that, and then I thought to myself, you know, I don't have—I have have all this free time. I, I might as well utilize it in some way, and I had i was always been one of those people, and I know there's tons of people like this, that I'd start a project and I'd never finish it. And, and there's so many people you see in, in the design board games that have a really hard time finishing something. And I was definitely one of those people. And because I think it was, I was always trying to create my masterpiece or something. And it, and it, and it wasn't even necessarily even a board game. I, I would write RPG manuals and I would get 80 pages into it and be like, I don't like this. And then I would start completely over. And I would, this would just keep going on and on and on. And my wife thought I was crazy. So I thought to myself, you know, I need to focus on a project that is small. And that's sort of what I tell everyone now that come to me and ask me, how did you start? And I say, start with something really small that you can, you can polish it. You can play test it really well and make sure it's a solid little game. And that's what sort of birth plagued the card game. So I sort of focused all my effort on making something that was small at first. Plague was only 36 cards. I um, eventually it became 54 cards, but I wanted just to make something that was simple that I knew I could complete. And that was the key cuz once I actually completed that game and actually hit that publish button, I got that feeling that so many designers get, you know, that buzz that 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 you get for, you know, publishing something and you you you're trying to always chase that afterwards. So I'm still chasing that that, that sort of high, I guess, of Publishing something and getting it out there in the world. So,
0: well, you're chasing it hard, man, because <laughs> I, I've referred to you as a machine, and that's that's no joke. I mean, every time I turn around, you're pumping out uh, a game, and like I said, I, I've yet to play a bad game from you. Uh, so it's not like you're just like, oh, well, here uh, I'll I'll give this to the people and move on, kind of like what you're talking about before. So let's. Then uh, so that's a good that's a good way for me to ask you about uh, do you have a specific design process when you're working on all these games
1: yeah, I'm a notebook guy. I have the wife buy me notebooks in like five packs, and I just burn through them wherever I'm at. You know, I'll you know if I'm waiting somewhere to pick up the kids, I'll be I'll be doodling or, or writing down ideas. And typically, they're just really simple mechanics. And sometimes it's you know I I, uh, I watch a, a game review or something on the Dice Tower or whatever, and I get you know an idea. Oh, well, this would be kind of cool if this was changed. And so I, I write all this stuff down, and the vast majority of it doesn't go anywhere. But that's sort of my design process is just writing it and then basically turning the page over and writing the same thing again but slightly different until I get something that's concrete enough that I can move on to prototype, which isn't very nice either. My prototypes are index cards and sleeves, so nothing fancy.
0: So do you have, how about like when you've decided this can be a prototype and you even make those early prototypes, do you have uh, a process that you have to go through before you'll decide to say, "Okay, I'll put this on the Game Crafter," or I'll I'll uh, make this something that will go on Kickstarter, like play testing and all that kind of stuff. Do you have a a set process for that?
1: Yeah, I uh, typically I have a few um, friends that I that I play test with, and that's sort of growing now that because of the Game Crafter community, I've met other people that live in the area, like Chris Leader and David Taylor, and uh, we get together once in a while and uh, we play some of our games with each other. So that's really sort of. That's very helpful because you're playing with people that create games and they have published games and stuff like that. So, but in the smaller side of it, it's typically, I, I get an idea and I think I, it's sort of, I know it's going to, it's going to function. Once I know that's going to function, then I'll, then I'll put it up on index cards. So that, that's my commitment level. <laughs> my commitment level is I'll get a Sharpie out and I'll cut index cards in half and put it in sleeves and try it. And I would say probably. 60, 70% of those don't go anywhere. But it's the ones that get past that process that I'm like, ooh, this is decent. And then I mess with it some more and some more and some more. And then the next step for me after that is, um, making a, a prototype for myself through the game crafter. Cause there's nice having those, that finished kind of look in your hand when you're playing it. And it really helps out. Then once I have a feeling that that's, that it's in order, then I'll, then I'll publish it to the, to the game crafter and then move on from there.
0: So far, all the projects that you've had on Kickstarter, and, and you've had all successful projects so far, so congratulations on that, too. Thank you. Thank you. But you're pretty much like a, a one-man, again, machine. You know, Grey Gnome Games is is like you, and uh, I'm assuming your wife helps here. Yeah, the, the,
1: the, my wife does a lot of the... Uh, paperwork kind of stuff. Uh, she helps out with taxes and she helps out with billing and stuff like that. So she's really good. She has a background in, in the mortgage industry. So when it comes to paperwork, she actually feeds on it. So she does well with it. So she handles that end of it. I kind of try to focus on the creative end, which is great. It's a great team. So
0: I'm going to do a two parter here on, on this one. Part one is more of a statement. I'm assuming that you, uh, come home every day and, and, and thank your wife for the, uh, chance to do what you love to do here and the, and the chaos that comes with it, (laughs) especially after successful Kickstarters and, uh, being a one-stop shop with fulfillment and having your house filled up with
1: games and. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Cause I, I, cause I do the same. I have to come home and thank Megan every, every day that she uh, puts up with me talking to people all the time in the back room (laughs) and not, not hanging out in the front room all the time.
1: Yeah, well, my wife was has been was pretty supportive from the from the get go. I mean, there was always that you know, what are you working on now kind of thing. A little bit, you know, before I actually had a successful Kickstarter. So, but that was sort of a nice vindication for all my effort. You know, having having that first successful Kickstarter and then the success that's followed since that has really uh you know just been great for us. So,
0: so then the second part of it, which would be the actual question, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> The publishing side of things. Now it sounds like you've got like you, you've kind of already alluded to the fact that your wife assists in the more mundane paperwork type stuff. But I know for a fact from knowing you and being in, in, involved as a friend through all of your Kickstarters that once you get down to they're all sitting at your house and it's time to fulfill, you're a crazy guy at that point. So the publishing side of things, is that something that you, completely enjoy? Or are there pieces of it you wish you didn't have to do? Or are you just kind of putting up with it because you, you've got these great games that you need to get to all of us?
1: Well, it's sort of a double-edged sword, I guess. I really enjoy I've always sort of enjoyed that sort of that end of it. I enjoy the creating it and I actually enjoyed physically holding the product in my hand and and, and packing it in a box and, and shipping it along. There's a good feeling that goes along with it. Now, when you're doing that 800, 900 times in a row, <laughs> Then the, the the feeling sort of subsides a little bit, but overall, it's something that I, I actually I, I enjoy doing. It it's very time consuming, and sometimes it can be very stressful when you're trying to figure out exactly what belongs in what box. And you know, luckily, I haven't had I've had very few incidences where there's been any sort of issues. But with fulfillment, but it's still yeah, it, it can be a drag, but it is <laughs> part of the process that is enjoyable. You know, like especially with Zogar's gaze, because I was able to physically. You know, I physically put those games together myself. We had an assembly line and we had the box was empty. We built the insert. We put the cards in, we put the dice in, and then we just sort of passed it along. And by the end, we had someone that checked it and make sure it was, you know, everything was in there, it belonged in there. Then we had to shrink wrap it ourselves. So it was, it was a huge, I mean, it was a lot of games we had to put together. So there's something about it, you know, that listening to music, you know, as a family and friends putting games together. It's just, it's hard to beat. So.
0: <laughs> so at, uh, <laughs>
1: It sounds crazy to you, doesn't it now, well you
0: you are a crazy man, but uh, it's it's crazy in a good way sir like i said i I've kind of been there along the way for the ride and I, I appreciate it I appreciate what you do i appreciate you know i I've given you crap before, but it's it's kind of cool in the fact that you know i like i've I get boxes at the house and you've handwritten a note inside the box you know it's <laughs> uh just that that extra touch. <laughs> yes, yes, the extra uh, touch. <laughs> yeah, but so as of as of now, Grey Gnome Games is pretty much your games. Do you have any thoughts to potentially being a full blown publisher, like seeking out other people's games and and publishing those?
1: That is a very good question. I am actually sort of right at that crust where I'm starting to really contemplate that. I was in talks with uh, Ben Haskett with his upcoming game Tower, possibly um, running that campaign for him and sort of being a sort of a game salute where I would handle everything and, you know, just pay him a percentage, basically a publisher and. I really just decided to, to tell Ben that this is something that he should experience for himself. You know, it was because he's a good friend of mine, and I felt that this is a, something he should do for himself and it's for his family. Because you put me in the middle of it, and I, then that's eating some of the profits. And that's just the honest fact. So I told him, you know, you should do this for yourself, and it's it's an enjoyable experience. And if and if, and if you don't enjoy it, then you the next time maybe do something, to do go a different route. So personally, I really do think that. The next step for me is to publish for someone else. And, you know, i am kind of got my eyes open being around the game, game crafter a lot. That's that's super helpful because you're seeing a lot of, you know, eager designers who are looking for some way to, to make some kind of a breakthrough. So I think that's uh, definitely something I would consider down the road.
0: Yeah. And, you know, okay. Not, not an age, but an experiencer. So just, uh, just give me, give me a second here to get through this one. <laughs> but sitting in the, the game crafter chat, which we do off and on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever you're around, you've kind of almost become a bit of a father figure to a lot of designers because, Hey, look, it's, it's Jason from Grey gnome games. He's, he's done the Kickstarter thing. Jason, Jason, let me ask you a question. Let me. You know, and, and you're, you're getting into that, that territory already. And one of the things that I like as far as being as part of the community is the community aspect of it. So, uh, I always think it's cool when I see it because I know when people hit me up for various things or side chats, you know, it's, I'm mm-hmm. more than willing to share the information. And so are you. So you've Absolutely. always been extremely open with. Here's what I did. Here's who I went through. Here's the, you know, here's the, the numbers behind how I did it. You've been very helpful for people attempting Kickstarter on their own. And I, you know, again, I, I think that's, that's awesome, man. And, and I guess, uh, what is your thought process behind that?
1: Um, well, for me, like you said, it's the word. It's it's community. And I think sort of the game crafters is a a sort of a a motley crew of of (laughs) designers. You have some people on one end of the spectrum you have other people on the other end of the spectrum. People who have published games from from well-known publishers are on there quite a bit. And then you have people who are just starting out that that are doing a school project like we were making fun of earlier that, that don't really know what's going on. So you have a, this this mixed bag of of people and and uh, I think the what makes the, the game crafter the chat especially so so awesome is the that you have that mix of people and everyone there is always you know, reaching back to help the next person behind them and I think it also sort of rolls right over in, into the kickstarter the whole spirit of kickstarter is this entrepreneurship to be able to start your own company and to be able to make a product and present it to somebody and I think that uh you you pair those two together they they work well together so and and there's no reason to to keep information secret you know I know some people would do that but there's no reason to you're trying you got to help the people that are that are that are in need of help and you know they're inspiring to do what you've done and there's people that I inspire to to do what they've done so you know you just got to keep helping each other out
0: excellent yeah I I completely agree and like I said that's I, I agree. That's one of the things I do like about the Game Crafter chat, and uh, just that whole community is everybody. At the end of the day, everybody's willing to help everybody uh, achieve what they're trying to achieve.
1: Oh, absolutely! I had Bill from the uh, Chit, He did the. Uh the intro for my video. And I was like, well, I got to, I got to pay you for doing this. He did a phenomenal 3D rendering with music with the dice coming down and all that. And, uh, it was what I had in my mind. I'm like, I kind of like to look like this. And then bam, he sent me the file and there it was. It was just what I wanted. And I said, well, I got to pay you for this, you know. And he's like, well, no, you know what you could do? You could you know, get a copy of my game and then write a review for it. So that's, that was my payment was, you know, for something that would, I don't know what that would typically cost, it would be 50, would hundred bucks or whatever. I just had to buy a copy of his game and, and play it. And then I'm going to write a review for him. So it's just the sort of, you know, the, the, everyone helping each other, scratching each other's back.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> Since you mentioned Bill, yeah, he's going to be working on one for me as well since we're doing <laughs> more deep. of the video stuff. And I did the same thing. I was like, dude, you got to let me pay you. I said, I, I don't mind. Uh, throw, throwing you some bones. Cause this is, I, I've seen your work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, he had just got done with Nick's for 16 He did one for game. Nick too. Yep. Uh, yep. and I, and he's yours. And, uh, and he's just like, no, I just need you to give me time. I'm like, you can have all the time you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, and it's just that kind of thing. And that, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of sample. many yep. things exactly. that, uh, we all see over there. So, yeah, if you haven't checked out the Game Crafter and uh, especially the chat, come come hang out with us sometime. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, I want to ask you, your first game, Plague the Card Game, can you kind of take us through your thought process and any, I guess, research you might have done as well to take a game that you've got and feel like it's ready to go on or to go somewhere, I guess is really where I want to go, to go somewhere. And then the decision to say, all right, Kickstarter is where I'm taking it.
1: Well, as far as like the mechanics of the game went, I've always been a fan of trick-taking games. And I grew up playing a lot of spades. And uh, so it sort of seemed natural for me to, for my first game to be something simple and, and a card game. So once I got it flushed out and I was able to work in some unique mechanics that I felt separated from what was already out there, Then I felt like I had something that was different. And once I think a designer feels they have something that's different than everything else that's out there, or at least there's some aspects of it that are different, then I think that's when I felt, you know, this is maybe something that can move forward. So that's when I started doing all the artwork for it. And once I had most of the artwork done for it, I felt I had a pretty solid concept. And like I had mentioned, I'd already been sort of... Scoping out Kickstarter from a distance, and I thought, well, you know what? I'll attempt it. You know, so I, I started crunching the numbers. How much would it cost me to make a hundred of these games? Because I figured it's a nice round number. If I can, if I can sell a hundred of these, I'd I'd be ecstatic. So I, I built my campaign around just selling a hundred of them. So my my funding goal was twenty five hundred dollars, and I, I hit the launch button, and it went well for me. So.
0: I don't know if I've ever actually asked you this or if I've seen the answer because I'm sure some other people have asked you in the chat, but you you know you know, I'm kind of in and out sometimes. Do you do all your own
1: artwork? Uh, The majority of it I do. I like to use a lot of classical art as well. Like in uh, Tasnia, for example, I used for some of the cards or for most of the cards, I actually used engravings and woodcuts from the 15th century German art. So, I mean, I've always had fascination with, some of the older artwork. So I felt I, it was a good point to incorporate some of that into that game because it, it matched the theme perfectly. So in some cases, if I can find something that, you know, matches the theme, I'll go that route. But for the most part, I'm, I do most of my own artwork. and I do all my design layouts.
0: Well done, sir. Uh, <laughs> I, I've enjoyed, yeah, it's, it's, I, I just thought of that. Actually, as I'm sitting here looking at your fancy new backs for the four tribe cards, uh, <laughs> And uh so you uh, you did the art for for those?
1: Oh, well, those are actually those are again, those are uh those are classic designs. Okay. The actual um symbols I went in and colored them and, and did some other things to to make them look a little more um, attractive, but but yeah, the, the the actual outline artwork is that's public domain. So if I can steal something from the public domain that that, that works, that that's a, a route to go and I I think it's a great thing for publishers that are starting out or young designers or whatever you know if you can find something in the public domain you know you should go for it because there's i mean look at that game uh, battle for souls they, they did it was on kickstarter that entire game was all old artwork from the you know 15th 16th century so the entire campaign was built on old old art and there was no up com- upfront cost for artwork probably minimal for design and layout but for the most part that was uh i mean it was a steal for them so
0: Let's go ahead and start getting into Four Tribes then. So, uh now that you're on, even though I already did it, but uh I I can lift my blackmail since I finally got you to come on and have an have an interview <laughs> and uh actually back this project. I already have. <laughs> but why don't you give us the uh high-level pitch for Four Tribes here?
1: Well, Four Tribes is a two player game at heart. I mean, I'm working on some variant rules for four player um, team play, but it's really a two player. It really is a two player card game. And I, um, I have, I own in my collection, I have Lost Cities and I have Balloon Cup and I have Battle Line and I have games along that line. I really love that intimate time that you have with one other person you know sometimes it's you know when you're game night and you got five six people and you're playing you know the new rampage or something it's just all out goofiness that's great too but sometimes you just want to you know it's just you and one other person and and there's something usually it's you know you and your wife or a spouse or whatever or just an old friend i think there's a real need for games that appeal to just two players so that was my my uh, goal when i was going into designing it. It was actually part of the um I don't know if you remember this, it was entered into the miniatures competition at the Game Crafter. So it was an entry. It ended up as a finalist. I, I was surprised because it really wasn't a miniature game. <laughs> you know, yeah. all these other games that were using all the you know fantasy miniatures. And here I'm like, well I guess I can use miniatures. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I threw some miniatures in there that worked and uh it ended up doing pretty well in the contest. But really if you're looking for a two player game that is casual that has enough strategy that if you're a pretty hardcore uh, gamer that you will appreciate the game and it's one of those games that the the person who has a little bit better strategic mind is most likely going to win most of the time so it's not one of those games that's full of luck there is luck but that uh, luck is not too uh, prevalent so that uh, not, not the best pitch i guess but yeah <laughs> sort of wandered around there a little bit
0: it's a great solid game anybody interested and I'll try to throw this in into the show notes as well but you know uh, Megan and I did a video for it and it actually is on the Kickstarter page so you can see yeah, it there too okay. uh, and of course we'll uh, we'll definitely be including that in the show notes along with various ways to get a hold of Jason twitter and all that good stuff but it is definitely a solid two player game and I of course in the video I was one of the people that said it would be nice if it was more players but only, again, it wasn't a negative. It was only from the aspect of, man, did we enjoy this game. It would be nice to let other people enjoy it with us. It, it had nothing to do with, man, this doesn't feel like uh, a two-player game. It feels like it should be more players. It was more, let's get more people around the table because it is a solid yeah. game. So uh, definitely one to check out. Yeah, there is a little bit of randomness to it, but not a lot. And it's very mitigated. I I agree with you there. You mitigate a lot of that luck and the randomness of the pull out of the bag with how you play your cards and all that good stuff. So another solid one under your belt, sir, for
1: sure. I'd also like to mention real quick before we we turn subject that there is also an an advanced mode for Four Tribes that um, in Father Geek's review, the Gamer Geeks, um, they played it in the advanced mode. And uh, it adds, it basically removes the bag from the game, and your you, each player gets the houses equal amount of houses to start the game. So you're placing the houses strategically to your favor based on what cards you have in your hand. So it 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 eliminates a whole lot of the luck in the game. So there is that advanced mode, and it's in the in the in the finished rule book. So that will be part of the full package. So you can play the game, um, the standard version. And, uh, like I said, it's very well balanced and someone who you could play it with a, uh, a 10 year old and they would be in the game, but if you, know, you most likely would have a hard time winning it, but they'd be in the game. But the advanced mode is more for if you have two people that, are, that play games all the time, that's the way to go. So.
0: So this was another game where you had designed it for the contest or had you kind of been working on it and. And, yeah, uh,
1: I, I had been sort of working on it. I was, I wanted, at that point, I didn't really have a two player game and I wanted to design something that, um, basically to sort of get my wife more involved in playtesting and whatnot. And, uh, it worked out. She really enjoys the game and pretty much everyone that I've sent copies to and there's been dozens of people who've done the print and play and it seems to be a big hit with couples. So that's sort of what my goal was, was to make a game that a husband and wife could be at home and be like, Hey, what do you want to do? We got, you know, half an hour and it could fit that. Fit that uh, role really well.
0: Okay, so you sat down and decided that you wanted to make a two-player game. Again, well, did this go through your kind of your same process as before, where it started off with just the, uh, the the cutouts and all that stuff? And and did you have a lot of play testing with this to to get it to where it is?
1: Yeah, I had quite a bit of play testing. It's made a quite a few changes. It made actually a lot of changes from from the uh, when it was in the contest till now. When it was entered into the contest, both players were drawing from a single deck, and I got that sort of idea from pretty much all the other two-player card games that I'd mentioned earlier, like Lost Cities and and Balloon Cup Mm -hmm. and all those. You're always drawing from from one deck, and I thought that um, that was the way to go, but actually it was Danny Devine, who was the judge in that competition, who came to me in an email and said, you know what you should do is you should use separate decks, then that's really what sort of turned four tribes from a, from a solid game to a really good two player game, because now you have complete balance. You're not, not one person's going to draw all the high valued cards or all the special cards. Now you both have an opportunity to do it. And then it was sort of a process of honing that deck to the point where through the course of one game, you're pretty much going through that deck once. I didn't want you to go through the deck one and a half times, because then that could make it lopsided. I want, I wanted you to go through the deck about one time, give or take. So that was sort of the process.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it comes off as a really tight game. And I like that. I mean, it's, it's extremely solid as it, as it sits. One question I, I kind of want to ask you. And it's, it's one that's been, I think I've asked it one other time now, but it's one I want to kind of maybe ask more often because it's been in my, my head lately. The question I kind of want to ask is now that you've done so many games, on Kickstarter and uh Kickstarter is kinda helping you grow gray Gnome games. Do you kind of feel in the design process or uh leading up to close to launch that you kinda have to design with stretch goals in mind?
1: That's a real good question. Yeah. I mean that's sort of the name of the game now. I mean almost every successful campaign thrives uh, with having those, those stretch goals. So in my mind, I'm always sort of thinking, well, uh, what can I do? And I think one of the, for me personally, I think I like doing component upgrades. You know, I like mm-hmm. increasing the, the quality of the cards. We just, just hit the, uh, stretch goal in four tribes where all the cards are now going to be 300 GSM with a linen finish. And to me, that's when it's a card game, having a quality cards, the most important thing. So, and then increasing the other, you know, bits and components that you can. That, yeah, that's a driving force in all Kickstarters. So that's half the battle. The other half's obviously content because everyone wants more playability. So you always have to think of different things you can add.
0: Yeah. And, and that's kind of where, like I said, the the question is kind of sticking with me a lot lately, especially when we start seeing a lot of, and actually, uh, one, I'm still editing. We've had the conversation about exclusivity versus add ons and all that good stuff. You know, that's, that's the big topic right now. Mm -hmm. so it got me to thinking is like as a designer go back to talking about a double-edged sword at times you don't ever want to put out half a game and and hope that you stretch into the game you originally meant
1: exactly yeah you don't want to do that no
0: yeah so it's kind of a double-edged sword but it's it's at a point with kickstarter there's certain expectations that i think can be a hindrance And one of them I think is the potential of everybody expects the stretch goals now. So Mm -hmm. everyone does. Yeah. You always have to have that kind of in mind. And that's why I want to kind of start asking people if they design with stretch goals in mind now because of Kickstarter now.
1: (laughs) Well, the thing with, with four tribes and most of the games that I make are, are card game based, you know, there might be other bits and pieces that are, that are in play, but when you have a card game, Usually, um, they're fairly easy to add to, um, and, and keep some kind of balance. Some games, that's not necessarily the case, but with four tribes, it's absolutely the case. Adding cards to the game is only going to add a little bit more strategy and flavor to it. And it can, they can be added or removed. There'll be a symbol on them letting you know that this was a, a, a an extra card. So you can say, Oh, I don't want to play with these or I'm, I'm going to play with all of them. So, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta sort of, that's the new thing. I mean, that's not the new thing, but it's what's, all what's driving all these Kickstarters that are, that are pushing towards a hundred K is having all these these stretch goals lined up. And personally, I mean, I have a few, but I mean, I can't. You know, you can't. There's only so much you can do with with the game, you know, before you basically completely change it. So when I when I when I set up my game for my Kickstarter, like four tribes, if we hit it just at twelve, it was going to be the game that I had play tested and that was sent out to all my reviewers. And, uh, it's a game that I knew was a solid, uh, solid product. And if we were able to get more, more money, then I would add a few cards and I would add, you know, upgrade the components, make the box nicer and things like that, that as a gamer, um, is important to me. So as far as some of these other, cam- some campaigns that they, they, it seems like, like you're saying, like, the game doubles in size by the, by the time the Kickstarter is over. And all of a sudden you have this monstrosity and you think, was this thought of before? And I don't know if it was, you know, like if, if four tribes goes crazy and hits 50 K, I don't know what I'm going to be, <laughs> what what I can offer people, you know?
0: Yeah. It's uh, there, there are two things uh, and, and that's one of them now. Uh, and then the other one, which I think we're kind of getting away from, and I really hope we are, is the, mentality that i can't put on kickstarter what i actually need i need to put on there something less and hope i overfund to what i actually need just because backers get scared off because of a higher pledge level or Mm -hmm. uh or pledge need yeah and i think i've I've always kind of thought that was silly because especially anybody that's got any kind of an idea of what goes into creating a game you know it's this is what you need Mm -hmm. let's let's shoot for that
1: well yeah i can just from my limited experience from the kickstarters that i've run and, and the fulfillments that i've done i can look at a campaign and say well they haven't done their math just by looking at it, or they're asking for way too much money, or they're asking for not enough money. So yeah, it's 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 a really hard it's a really hard ship to sail. You know, setting that funding goal. You don't want to set it too high because yeah, you will scare people off. Especially if it's your first Kickstarter. If it's your first Kickstarter, and you're asking for fifty thousand dollars. People are going to red flags are going to go up. And who is this person, and why are they asking for fifty thousand dollars? So right. that's why yeah, my my I always suggest to start with something small. You know, right. And, and, and that's where I think the game crafter really kind of comes into play is their um, their ability to um, to produce a smaller game, or you can set your goal smaller, you know, and still produce the same game. But you can, like I did with Plague, you know, 100 games is what I was my goal was. I did all the numbers, and it would have worked if I hit just the 2500. But I ended up getting near 7500, and I was still able to produce the game with some add-ons. So mm-hmm. I think that's the way you should uh, Kickstarter should be structured.
0: Well, you know we're, we're kind of in there, so let's go ahead and keep on with that piece of the conversation. You've got several successful Kickstarters under your belt, so uh, what kind of advice do you have for people that are looking to utilize Kickstarter at this time?
1: Yeah, I think like I mentioned a couple times, the I get people, you know, once you start having a couple of successful Kickstarters or even one, you're going to have emails constantly on <laughs> Board Game Geeks. They get messages and you know people asking questions, and I always I always write honestly, you know, I say, let me see what you have, you know, and a lot of times it's it's a good idea and sometimes it's, it's like the masterpiece concept, you know, where they're trying to build their masterpiece game and it's got tons of components and it's very complicated and I always say, you know, that's a great game, you know, it could be it lights out, but if you're going on Kickstarter and you're on an unknown designer, I strongly suggest the first thing you do is put out a small game, a small card game or a game that doesn't require a lot of components that you can set a funding goal around less than $5,000. That should be where people should start. And then once you start building that audience and you start um, building some organic followers, then you can start venturing off into more complicated and larger projects. I think that's probably the most, the the keyest thing.
0: And I think one thing I want to point out from my perspective of seeing a lot of what you've done, you've done a really good job of the uh, upfront communication and Things like sharing art along the way and whatnot and just letting people know, like the lead up to four tribes was awesome. We knew about four tribes months ago mm-hmm. uh, and, and saw bits and pieces of it along the way to keep everybody, keep four tribes and great home games and everybody's mindset up to the launch. And in fact, I, uh, I've had at least, at least two consults. That I've just basically said, you, you want to know what I'm talking about? Go look at what Jason's doing for four tribes right now. This is what I'm telling you that you should probably be doing. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I, the communication aspect, you know, that's something that we've talked about off and on in here and, and that is never too early. Definitely if, if anybody still that hasn't clicked with or is not sure, check out the four tribes Facebook page. Uh, and go back through the history of that of the post there and you'll see Jason has been communicating about this game for quite a while mm-hmm. and that's why as we sit right now Jason was originally looking for $12,000 he's got over $16,000 and still has uh what is it uh February 6th I think you're going Yeah February to 6th yeah yep, yeah so absolutely. it goes until February 6th so still got a lot of time left and is overfunded already uh and that has to do with, to me, several things. The communication. Absolutely. The fact that you have, you have built up a solid foundation of an audience and proved time and again that you will deliver and solid communication and customer service as well as far as going through the delivery process. Yep. And, uh, just, and beyond that and, Early on, and even still today, I mean, you're, you're. I think I've told you this before. You're at a point, I think you were a little concerned because, like, right now, Tasnia is still not 100% fulfilled.
1: Correct. It's uh, actually coming Friday. Yeah. So FedEx just called me this week. That's I'm getting my shipment on Friday for that, so I'll be having to do all that fulfillment for the next okay. couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and so part of the, the early questioning was, do I still launch four tribes, right? Cause I remember I yeah. remember us having those kind of conversations, and I think at that time I thought I was like you're one of the few people I think right now that could easily get away with that and not get a whole bunch of backlash because you have consistently fulfilled every every project sometimes early uh-huh. and and with great communication along the way, and you've communicated what's going on with Tasnia, and it's like completely out of your hands. Uh, absolutely you're you're waiting for it to get in your hands
1: (laughs) and once it's in my hands then I can I can do what I have to do with it but yeah it's uh yeah it's you know that's the most important thing is you know I get people you know emailing me ask me all different sorts of questions whether it's about a campaign or about how how the game a game rule or something I'm always answering I'll take the time to go through. And I think that's extremely important. Even though I'm a one man operation, you always have to have that open line of communication with the people that are basically you know, helping support your company. So I think it's uh, super important to answer any and all questions that I get. And I, I try to do it as quickly as I can. And I think that's really important. And like you were saying about keeping uh, four tribes letting all the information out about it earlier. Um, I, I'm learning as, as a company slowly, you know, with each campaign, I'm learning new things and um, new ways to to do things. And that was sort of a, something new and different. I, I didn't do that with my past campaign so much where I was so open with the artwork and the mechanics. And, and I, this is the first campaign that I ever launched where I had the print and play available for free a week in advance. So people go ahead, play the game, print it out, play it, test it. And then when it comes up on Kickstarter, be excited to pledge for it. So that was sort of my thinking going into it. Let's just be a lot more open with the campaigns. That's going to be sort of my uh, my mentality moving forward with all future campaigns. You know, let people try the game, play it, and then you know, hopefully they'll uh, want to come back and back it.
0: Well, and I think you just hit on a really nice point there as well, in that you've had many successful projects behind you. But that doesn't mean the learning process has stopped for you as far as how to continue to put out successful projects.
1: Absolutely. yeah. You're always, you know, with anything, you're always, you're always learning something and, and moving forward from it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, I sort of um, learned that from looking at some other campaigns that were really successful leading up into their campaigns. They were very open about their game and their product and they're giving out the print and play. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to follow that recipe. And it's worked out for me. So I think it's a, I think it's just a, it just goes along with being open and honest and, you know, not being, uh, being, uh, ready and freely willing to share information.
0: All of that. And you just make great games, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: appreciate that.
0: All right. So, uh, here's, uh, one of the things, uh, we'll kind of wrap this up here soon. But what I've been asking a lot lately is this question. Somebody is out here looking at four tribes and they're like, yeah, this, this might be a project I'm interested in. I could see maybe being interested in this. Do you have like a couple things, one or two things that you, you would tell somebody that would make them go, you're right. I have to back this project.
1: Well, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it's one of those games that. Is perfect for that intimate setting where it's just you and one other person. So if if you're if you're uh, in a relationship or if you're married, I I think it's a, a must-have game, especially if you're a gamer. It's a game that you can play, and there's enough strategy there that you know it's going to keep you both engrossed. Uh, also, um, it's a portable game, so it's not going to be in some giant box with an, a bunch of empty space. You know, that's one thing I've I've pride myself with with all my games is. Try not to have too much empty space. I know as a gamer, I, I hate that. When you buy a game and it's just empty box, you know. So I like to make this a portable game, a game that you can take with uh, with you anywhere, and also. I've been in many gaming group situations where there, someone brings a game that only plays four. And you might have six people, so there is opportunities for two player games to be played. You know, sometimes you're in those situations. You're like, "But what? What are the other two people going to do?" And you end up playing like a four player game with two people, or something. You know, or you're just talking. You know, this is a game that only takes a half hour, so it fits that gap really well. So,
0: and then there's also the uh, waiting for others to show up.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, <I haven't laughs> which we get into.
0: Yeah, we get into quite a bit as well. All right. Well, Four Tribes is on Kickstarter right now. Again, check out the show notes. The link will be there or just go search for it over on Kickstarter. Jason with Grey Gnome Games was looking for $12,000. He's got well over $16,000 right now and continuing on because this goes until February 6th, 2014. Check it out. An extremely solid two-player game that I can't recommend enough. Jason, thank you for joining me for this interview, man.
1: It was my pleasure. I had a great time.
0: I, I did as well. It's always uh, awesome to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, usually, it's through typing, but you know, this was this was cool. And you man, sound so awesome. Cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Maybe I should become a voiceover guy.
0: Actually, uh, I was going to say, uh, if you ever start a podcast, I know somewhere that you might be able to hang uh, hang your hat. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you. Take care.